0: Welcome to the City Point Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. Thank you, musicians. You guys were sounding amazing this morning. God downloading onto a tablet. He loves his, absolutely loves his dad jokes. Torches with whole family with them every Father's Day. Anyway, let's get into the Word of God. If you could bring up that very long passage of Scripture on the back of the screen. I, I love that Jesus uses stories and illustrations. I personally really learn through stories. So I'm going to read a very large one out to you. Hold on. And this is the center and the basis for this entire message. It's found in Matthew 25 and it's 14 to 30. Here we go. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. That's important. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Take that talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away." and cast that unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a story of giving an account. Did you all know every one of us here, every one of us who lives and breathes, one day you will have to give an account for the way that you have spent and spend your lives? You know, Sometimes I find <laughs> we, we hide a little bit behind the fact that if you love Jesus with all of your heart and all of your soul uh, and you've made him Lord of your life, he has paid that price for us. You know, we will not be punished for any wrongdoing that we have to do. He acts as the judge and he's like, no, I've paid for that because he's a good and merciful God. But... We still have to have a life review. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Every one of us have to stand before God and we give a life review. I've I've heard it read like it almost happens like a movie, you know, in front of you. You have to give an account for the way that we spend and have spent our lives, which is why I've titled this message that the portion we start with is not the portion we're supposed to finish with. The portion we start with is not the portion we're supposed to finish with. For those taking notes, I've got three points, and I'm going to spend most of my time on this first point, which is God's economy. I promise I wasn't looking at his notes. (laughs) This is God's economy, what he values. And to have a, a really good understanding of that, we're going to actually have a look first at what God says that the world values. And it's found in 1 John 2, 16 to 17, which reads, I'm just going to read it to you. The world offers only a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father. This is scripture. But are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything in it that people crave. But whoever does what pleases God will live forever. Now, you can have a look at that scripture and go, oh, sounds a bit anti-wealth. It's not anti-wealth. The world values, it's got this system, it's almost like a tall poppy syndrome, whereas you know, we want to raise through the ranks and tick off, yes, I've got that position I must be doing okay. Look, I've got all of these people underneath me, and oh, you know, they're not doing so good, I'm not sure if they'll ever make it. And we look down on people or up to people according to your position in life as far as how much stuff you have and what your achievements are. And when we need those things for our identity and that's everything that we strive for to kind of stroke your own ego, it's not actually of God. You might be coming from the other end where you're like, well, I don't have the house and I don't have the certificate that says that I've got this education. I did not even have a job. Maybe I'm not actually worth anything. And we judge one another according to these things. And God just smashes it on its head. I am not anti-wealth, I promise you. I am very, very, very much pro-money. I like money a lot. You might go, oh, isn't there that scripture that says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil? Have a little bit of a look in the Greek. That scripture reads that intense greed is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is remarkably useful, and it's useful for God's purposes and for building his kingdom. So I'm not anti-money, like bring it, go make it, do good. <laughs> I, I'll, we'll actually just add in there as well that enjoying it as unto the Lord, enjoying the fruits of your labor is also very much a part of his economy. Okay, I want to have a bit of a look at what God values. What is God's economy? I've got two scriptures here, so hold on, and we're going to keep coming back to these as well. Ephesians 2.10 for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. There are good works that he has prepared for us in advance to do. And when you come back to our original story, you see that there were different portions for different people. God is so personal. I just I think it's my favorite thing about God. He's so personal. He's created this with your stamp on it. This is the work that I have got laid out for Jess to do. This is the work that I've got laid out for Pastor Graham to do. This is the work I've got laid out for Sarah to do. It's so personal and each portion size is different, but it's remarkably designed for you. No one knows you better than he does. So that's your portion and there is good work that we are supposed to pick up. John 15 verses 1 to 5 says... I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. (sighs) That's a painful process. Anyway, moving on. So that it will be even more fruitful. That's the purpose though, when we're pruned by God, so that we can be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No, bear, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Bear fruit, do good works. This is quite simply God's economy. And he just said there, you can't actually bear any kind of good fruit unless it's centered within himself. Bear fruit, do good works. That's bottom line. That's his economy. And it's for the purpose and the benefit of others. It's actually repeated time after time after time again in Scripture. You know, you don't have to get too far into the Bible before you read bear fruit from the Holy Spirit or, or, uh, or do good works. It's all throughout it. And I want to touch on bearing fruit. Some of you, when you hear we have to bear fruit and do good works, you're like, oh, okay. I need, to get, I need to get busy, I've got to do more, I have to be more. Right, okay, I'm listening, I'll go out and I'll get really, really busy. More to the point, it's actually about allowing God to do the good work in you. Stay with me. It starts with allowing God to do this good work within you. And the key word there is it starts doesn't finish there. Remember, the portion we start with is not supposed to be the portion that we finish with. So what is bearing fruit? What are the fruits of the spirit? Let's have a good look at them here. It is according to Galatians 5:22 to 23: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. These are his fruits, and the portion that we start with is not supposed to be the portion we finish with. You need to allow God to outwork these things within your life. This is actually well illustrated in Joseph's life. You know, that guy with the lovely coloured coat, favoured by his father amongst his brothers. When you read in Genesis 37, you've got this 17-year-old boy And he starts out, the the first few scriptures starts out with him bringing back a bad report about his brothers. If you go into the Hebrew, it's actually an evil report. And an evil report, though, it may have been centered in facts. Facts versus truth is a whole other sermon that we're not getting into today. Anyway, so he's brought back this evil report about his brothers. Probably sounds a little bit like, dad. About his brothers. And so his brothers hate him because he's a favorite. And (laughs) Joseph gets this dream. God is actually starting to do things within him. Starting to do things within him. Shows him this vision. And Joseph, in a 17 year old boy's body and mind, a little bit immature. Thinks, this is great, I'm going to go and tell my brothers who really don't like him. He seems to be a little bit unaware of his surroundings, just in haste and, and that immaturity. Guess what, guess what? You know, this is what God said, you guys are all going to bow down to me. And it infuriated them. And if he didn't learn from that moment, God shows him another dream and he's like, guys, guys, guess what? I saw it again, you are all going to bow down to me. And that time even his dad was like, Joseph, just a bit immature. So God was starting to do a work within him. God had planned good works for him to do, but he had a growth journey to go through. And you pick it up in Genesis 40 verses 6, and you see Joseph in prison. Oh, can I just side note? I don't know why God does most of his best work in a prison experience or a wilderness experience, but he does. <laughs> anyway, Joseph's in prison and the scripture reads that when Joseph came in the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. That's the two people he was in prison with. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? Joseph learned to see people from going to being the 17-year-old little old boy with all of these dreams that God's putting within his heart and in haste going and making all of these decisions to a man who's now learning to assess situations and see people. Now, as you go on and you read the story, Joseph had the, the portion that he started with certainly wasn't the portion that he finished with. He ended up being the wealthiest man, second only to Pharaoh, in that entire time of history. The only reason Pharaoh was so wealthy was actually because of Joseph. And Joseph used his position, his status, and his wealth for God's purposes, for the benefit of others. It saved his entire family. It actually saved all of the the nation of Israel in its earliest form, which God had, you know, Purposes to work out for, it saved all of Egypt at that time. It is interesting that God really does do some of his best work in a prison experience or in a wilderness experience. And if you find yourself that you are in one of those seasons, and if you're not even sure what that means, it simply means a really, 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 really hard season. Allow God just to start to do his best work within you. Just surrender to the process. There's purpose in it. Just stand and just remain and allow God to continue that work unto completion. All right. we had a little bit of a look at bearing fruit and I want to explore. Try that again. I would like to explore good works. The best way I can explain this is that the work that God is doing within you, that good work is outworked. So remember, it's a starting process. Yeah, the Bible actually says, give generously. It doesn't say just to give. Anybody can give, but the best kind of a good work is one that comes from a good place. Do you see that? So don't necessarily change the amount that you're giving, but maybe change the heart. And love, love is God, oh sorry, Jesus describes love as the most powerful fruit of the spirit. You know, if you find yourself in a situation where you're in a marriage, you're like, "I, I don't love my partner anymore, don't change the spouse. Change your heart. And honestly, guys, don't come to me, please, and tell me, oh, the heart wants what the heart wants. Come on. We have been given authority in Christ to have dominion over our own mind, our emotions, and our heart. And it can be in subjection to the Word of God. This is why developing these gifts of the Spirit is so important. We need some grit. We need some strength about it so that when we come up against these hard times, we don't fall over. We don't, you know, go swaying every which way the side the world wants to pull us It's so vital and important that these fruits of the Spirit are allowed to be developed unto completion for good works. All right. Let me have a little bit of a look at the word works because it's in there. Good works does have the word work in it. Exploring that word, there is toil attached to it. I'm sorry. It is. (laughs) The word work means effort. An act or a deed, it's doing labor, a service that one performs, an enterprise, an undertaking, a product. Anything accomplished by hand, hand? art, industry or mind. And here's the clincher: If you're taking notes, it is for the benefit and well-being of others. That's its definition. Go check it out in the Greek. It's good works are for the benefit and the well-being of others. Now, I see this really well illustrated in Scripture, Revelation 3, 15 to 16. You've got Jesus talking, and he says, I wish you were either hot or cold. Because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, there's a history lesson in this. almost feel like I should have got up here and said, you know, this is Jonathan and I presenting this message. <laughs> I kind of have, you know, the the privilege of just going, excuse me, honey, what does this mean? Where do I find this? Can you find this story, please? What's the history in that? So, yes, it's Jonathan and I presenting this message this morning. I know. He's He's good, right? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, honey. Yes, well done. Here's the history and really catch the essence of what the Holy Spirit wants to say through this. The history behind this scripture, it centers around three major cities, Ladosia, Colossae and Hierapolis. If you come from there and I've said it wrong, I'm sorry, we're sticking with that. Colossae was at the foot of the mountains. It had beautiful, refreshing, cold springs. There's nothing better than cold mountain water. This water actually supplied the entire region of the city. It was useful... And served a purpose for the benefit of others. You've got, I'm sorry, Hierapolis. That's, I said, Hierapolis is what it is. Hierapolis was positioned among beautiful hot springs that made for very therapeutic baths that used to be a healing for people. It served a purpose for the benefit of others. But Laodosia had to pipe It's water six kilometers from the mountain, and by the time it arrived, it was lukewarm with a gritty concentration of calcium carbonate. If consumed, it would make you vomit. Jesus is saying here he requires us, he wants us desperately to be useful, to serve a purpose. Hot water would heal, cold water refreshed, and we are supposed to bring a similar blessing to the people in and around us. Okay, point two. In our story, it reads that he was faithful with the little and God made him ruler over much. Let me ask you a question. Are you faithful with the little? Are you faithful with what God's given you? Okay, this brings me to a story about two of my boys And we were dropping them off at school in the morning. And I gave both of them a portion of money for tuck shop. So they were stoked. On they went. I picked them up in the afternoon. My first son gets in the car. I'm like, how was your day? Oh, awesome, mum. I said, what did you get for tuck shop? He goes, oh, I got lasagna. I went, oh, that's fantastic. And then he holds out his hand for mine and proceeds to give me the change which I'm pretty sure I gave back to him because I went, what child brings home change when you've given them money for tuck shop? Anyway, then I had my second child come and approach the car. Door flings open. Very, very dramatic. Gets in the car. "Mom, I'm starving. I'm so hungry. And we want to go get something to eat right now. I'm starving. I'm like, what happened? Did you lose your money? What, what went on? Mom, it's all your fault. You didn't give me enough money. I'm starving. I went, well, what did you spend it on? Oh, two ice blocks and a soft drink. If you know my family, there's no prizes for guessing which child was what? Are you faithful with the little? Are you faithful with the portion that God has given you? Do you go, Lord, is it God's fault that you don't have any money? Do you really know where it's going? Are you faithful with the portion that he's given you? Do you run a business here? Are you faithful with the little? Pastor Mel touched on this a couple of weeks ago. The spirit of Boaz, the man was integrous. He had integrity about his life. Two. All right, all right. See, that was the Holy Spirit making sure you're paying attention. Does the $10 cash make it to your cash register in your till or does it get stuck in your pocket on the way? Does the tax office get an honest review of your accounts? Are you faithful with a little? Or are you super dodgy? It's a question to ask yourself. Are you faithful in your workplace? Do you give your employer an honest good day's work, even when they're not watching? If you want your world to expand, you've got to learn to be faithful in the little. Be faithful with the portion that you've given with. Work it well. Work it hard. And your life will just get larger and larger. The life of the faithful gets larger and larger. Remain faithful even when it's hard. Remain faithful, even when it's hard. Someone in a marriage needs to hear this this morning. Remain faithful, even when it's hard. Stick it out. Be faithful to your family. I actually remember my brother, this is not in my notes, I remember him telling me once, you know, that he observed that people who made it in marriage after 50 odd years, they were never unhappy ...about sticking it out through the hard times. Stick it out. Remain faithful. While we're still on earth, what we do with our portion... is almost supposed to act like a mirror for us... ...to reveal what's inside of us. The portion that you start with... ...is not supposed to be the portion that you finish with. You know, we had a beautiful Pastor Sam's photo up there this morning. I remember he observed to us once as a group, he said, you know, I've noticed that, that people of the world soften, so they, they do their best to make it so they can strip off every responsibility. Oh, that was a heavy weight. That's so much better. Now that I've made it, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to be accountable to anyone and just cast off all restraint. And he observed that that's the exact opposite of God's economy. He went on to say that Responsibility is actually what shapes your life. Even when you have a look in that scripture that we started with, it says that when you are faithful with the little, he will make you ruler over much. More responsibility was actually the reward, not the punishment. Yeah. And at the heart of being faithful, it's actually filled with the word faith. Stay in faith, stay in hope. All right, which kind of brings me to my next point. It's actually the best life. It's the best life. Think about this for a second. I don't understand why anyone would actively choose the opposite of God's fruits. If you've got to go to a birthday party, do you want to take your joyful friend or your one who's like seriously miserable? I know who I'd rather go with. When you go out to dinner, is it nicer to sit with a friend who's generous or someone who's super stingy? You know, you're sitting there eating dessert by yourself because they don't want to spend the extra money and then they're probably hoping you'll pick up the bill. (laughs) Ladies, if you've got to go on a long journey, do you want to sit with someone who's at peace and loves their husband or do you want to sit with someone who's bitter as about every single thing that their husband has to sue or say? I'll be like, I'll catch the bus. (laughs) Or, you know, you might be in line with someone. Do you want to be in line with someone who's got patience or in line with someone who's impatient? It's like it's super embarrassing. I don't know why anyone would actively choose to not allow God to develop these fruits within their life. It's actually the best life. And here's the thing, is that I know I've said that the bearing fruit and good works is for the benefit of others. But his way, this is actually for the benefit of you. We sang that song this morning, that he is behind us and beside us and in front of us. We also read the scripture to remain in him. This is not a journey that we were designed to do alone. He is so invested, so for you. He's so, so desperate to see these things develop within you because he knows it's your best life. You know, I remember years ago when I was at the start of my journey, I was determined that the most important thing that I could leave my children was a good inheritance. And so we worked really hard and fell over several times, made lots of mistakes. Because I'm like, well, that's the most important thing. You have to leave your kids with a good start-up in life. You know, over the course of time, I've actually changed my tune. It's not the most important thing you can leave your kids. My prayer for them is very different these days. I pray that God would strengthen who they are so that when the hard times hit, they're going to have grit. Musicians, can you come, please? It's the most important thing to be strong. It's the most important thing to allow him to work these things within us so that we can outwork his goodness. He's fully invested in you. And if you find that any one of these fruits of the Spirit that you might be lacking in, you know, if you're struggling to love one another, if you're struggling to love people here, I promise you it's like a dangerous prayer when you say, excuse me, God, I don't, I'm, I'm noticing that I am lacking in love a little bit. Can you please help me to love people like you do and to see them like you do? It's almost like, bam, he's right there already at work. It's like the prayer that really, really, really gets his attention. Fair warning, if you pray for patience, that'll be an interesting week. <laughs> Look at the heart of the master in that scripture that says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now come enter into the joy of the Lord. Don't you know he's your champion? He's behind you. It's like the excited parent. You know, when we're watching our kids and they get up and and they take their first step, all cameras are on that first step. And when they finally take it, their house is in an uproar. Oh my gosh, look at them. They took a first step. And then they learn to put their first seatbelt on. Who knows that's a hero moment in the household. But it's no different for God, you know, starting to see these things outworked in us. Oh, look, they're on the journey. They're taking that first step. They're learning this. They're growing. They grew again. Then they repeated it. And it just continues to grow and grow. And he champions you like that parent at the swimming carnival on the side. Let's go. That's my kid. Look how amazing they are. Remember Job, God was like, how great is he? He's bragging about him to Satan. I'd really rather he not do that with me. But he was so, so invested in you. The portion you start with, don't let that be the portion we finish with. My favourite part about that scripture that I will make you ruler of many is I will make you It's him doing that work within you. Allow him to start that good work unto completion for the benefit of others. Let's pray. Oh God, (laughs) you are a good God. Thank you so much, Father, that you care enough about us, Lord, to do the work within us, God. Thank you that you care too much, Father, to leave us as we were. Thank you that you believed in us, God, before no one else did, that you laid it up at the foundations of the earth, Father. Thank you that you know us more intimately than any other person. Thank you that you do this with us, that you invite us to join you in this. God, we just pray, Lord, that you would help us, God, to outwork your goodness unto completion, so that when we see you that day, we will hear from you well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.